Hi, this is Blake Andrews, lead pastor at Victory World Outreach, Denton, Texas. This is our podcast, and we're so glad that you came to check it out today. I hope this message encourages you and inspires you to do great things for God. Jones, and none of us would be here if it wasn't for them, Pastor Ron Jones and Marie. Praise God. How many brought a Bible tonight? Hold it up where I can see it. Don't be ashamed of it. All right, I'm glad to see some Bibles in this place. How many use a digital Bible? Let me see your digital Bible. Hold it up where I can see it. It might be a phone or an iPad or a Kindle or something. I don't know. That's all right. Amen. We, got, we need to bring our Bibles to church. How many take notes in church? Let me see your hands. If you don't take notes, I encourage you to take notes. Get yourself a pen or a pencil. Underline some stuff in your Bible and uh, maybe write something in the back of your Bible. You know, in my Bible, I've got Stuff that I've, I've heard that, you know, God spoke to me. I write in the margins. I put dates in there because I want to remember what I, what I heard. Amen. You wouldn't even have a Bible if somebody didn't write it down. Right? How many know the disciples carried pen and paper? They got the story right between the three of them, four of them. Right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Right? Praise God. We're going to look at some things tonight. And I, wanna, I pray that God just helps us. As a church and as people, I believe we need a, we need a personal revival. I mean, we, our nation needs a revival, but more than anything, it begins in us. I saw the post that, that was put out on Instagram. Let the revival begin in me. That's where it needs to begin. You know, we think somebody else needs a revival. We, you need a revival. So tonight I'm preaching to the person that's sitting in your chair. Not the person next to you. I'm preaching to you. All right? So I encourage you to receive it. Uh, Pastor Blake mentioned that we had pastored in, in Colorado. That was in 1998 that we went to Greeley in the northern part of Colorado and pastored a church there. Then we went back to Colorado Springs and then over to Kenya. It's hard to believe that these years have just gone by as fast as they have. It was in 1988 that I was in Nairobi with our family. We went from Nairobi, Kenya to Zaire, which is Central Africa, right there in the middle, and then all the way over to the West Coast with, to Liberia and as a family. We went across the continent of Africa there, and uh, back when we were in Nairobi, we would ride in a dune buggy in the streets. We, we were, it, the roads were dirt, probably a lot like Arusha is now back then. And, and we, we rode in one of these dune buggies that didn't have any kind of a top on it. We'd go into the slums. And today, it's a totally different city. They've got a, a highway on top of a highway now in Nairobi. It's just unbelievable the things that have changed. But I, I, I just, I'm amazed at how, how fast time goes by. And let me tell you something. Before you know it, you're going to see, that you're, you're going to be looking back on a day when you were in this building on a day when you were in a revival and there was we were able to fit inside of a building like this. You know God's a God of big things. God wants to do bigger things in our lives. Sometimes I think we think too small. We're small-minded. Don't you think God wants to do something bigger and better and greater in your life? I want God to challenge me. I want God to stretch my life. I want to be I want to be challenged. In my life, I don't want to just hear another sermon. 
I want God to, to meet me because unless he speaks to me and meets with me and deals with me about where I'm at, I'll never grow. I want to grow. I want to mature. I don't want to be an inch deep and a mile wide like so many people are. They, they, they're, they're, their whole life is shallow. They, their prayers, their prayer life is shallow. Their conversation is shallow. Their relationships are shallow because they're never challenged. They never listen to the Word of God and hear the preaching of the Word and apply it to their own self. A lot of times we're thinking, well, I'm glad so-and-so's here because they really need this. Oh, I wish so-and-so would have been here. They, they needed that. Well, tonight I pray that what, what is ministered, that God would let us let it sink into our hearts and he would deal with us. Ultimately, what we're driving at tonight is what happens in these altars at the end of the service. Every service is like that. I had a lady that came into our church. She's new, a new family that had come in. She said, I love, they love the fact that we do altar calls. They love the fact that we, we, we don't sugarcoat things. We're not just trying to give you a pat on the back and say everything's going to be all right. This is, where, this is where needs are met down here in these altars. And this is what we're driving towards. In this revival and in, in every service that we, that we minister as Pastor Blake ministers, I think we ought to all come in and say, God, what do you want to say to me tonight? What do you want to speak to my life? Lord, is there anything in this that, needs to, that I need to hear, that I need to change? And if we'll have that attitude, God will not leave us empty. He'll not, we'll not walk out of here dry like so many people are. Maybe you came in tonight, you came in dry, but the Lord wants to meet you in these altars. He wants to change you. He wants to pour out something fresh in your life and give you, he wants to renew some things in your life. Amen? Praise God. Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, over to the book of Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18. I want to minister tonight on the simplicity of forgiveness the simplicity of forgiveness it makes it sound easy doesn't it it's just so simple forgiveness is just so easy right it's just it, there's nothing to it but they you know to a lot of people they say that nothing could be farther from the truth it's it's very difficult and i realize that i understand that forgiveness is is not always the easiest thing but the question that we have to answer tonight is who is going to be in charge of our lives are we going to allow the flesh to reign and rule in our lives? Are we going to allow our feelings to override everything that we know the Word of God says? Or are we going to let the Word of God correct us and deal with us and then we respond accordingly? Forgiveness is so powerful because it releases the power of God in a person's life. Forgiveness releases the power of God in a person's life. If you want a revival in your own heart, there has to be a place where, number one, we forgive others and we realize we have been forgiven ourselves and we can be forgiven. It releases the presence of God. You know what it does? It brings revival. I believe that there would be churches all across this country that would have revival if, if, if people would, would really begin to forgive each other. Christians are the meanest people I've ever met. Christians, in quotes. Let's just put it this way. Church people are the meanest people I've met. I met a lot of mean church people. Anybody else met somebody like that? If you haven't, it might be you. You might be the mean church person, right? Because people are very unforgiving. Somebody once said we judge others 
by their actions, but we judge ourselves by our intentions. I'll let that sink in for a second. We judge others by their actions and ourselves by our intentions. You know what somebody else said? The road to hell is paved with good intentions. There's a lot of people, they've got good intentions. And there's, there is an unforgiveness that, that people, there's, there are things that people hold on to. There are people that are no longer in church because they could not forgive. It wasn't enough to resolve something. And families are plagued with this, this spirit of unforgiveness and contention. I know because I have a family. And you have a family. And all across this country, families are fractured and splintered. Relationships are, are in turmoil. And churches are split because of this issue of unforgiveness. People think, well, I, can't, I don't want to resolve it. I can't resolve it. I'll just find another church. No, that's not the solution. The solution is to work through that problem. The solution is to bring that need or that attitude before God and to be right before God and let God be the healer of that relationship. Let God begin to work in your life. We, we want forgiveness. We want to be forgiven. Now I'm going to read, it, read you a scripture that, that uh, talks about that so powerfully. But th- th- this issue of forgiveness is so very vital because what we want to, we, as, as human beings is we want revenge. We, want, we like revenge. Revenge is sweet. It's best served cold, right? They, it's, it's a, it, people like revenge. They like to think about it. They, they, they hold on to things. And there's a, there's a bitterness in, in people's hearts. I found a story of a soldier that was fighting over in Iraq. He received a letter from his girlfriend. She said she was breaking up with him. In the letter, she also asked him to return the picture of herself that she had given him because she needed it for her new bridal announcement. He was heartbroken and told his friends about the breakup and about her request. Somebody came up with this idea. The whole platoon gave him pictures of all their girlfriends and told him to send them to his ex-girlfriend with the note For the life of me, I can't remember which one is yours. Please remove your picture from all of these pictures I'm sending and return the rest to me. (laughs) Pretty good, don't you think? But I want you to know that there's a carnal side of us that wants revenge and doesn't want to forgive, but the spiritual side, the the, the side that God is dealing with is that side that says, you know what, revenge is mine, God says. I will repay. And the ultimate is in Jesus Christ who, who at the cross said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they do. It's human nature to want people to pay for the injustice that's been done. You know, the moment... I say the word forgiveness, people, the mind begins to argue. We begin to, we begin to process things. But pastor, you don't understand what they did. Pastor, you don't understand how I've been mistreated or how I've been hurt or how I deserve to feel this way. Isn't, isn't that the truth? Am I, am I preaching to somebody? 
That's how we think. We begin to process this. And, you know, they, they destroyed me. They lied about me. They hurt me. The wounds that they, they've dealt. And it doesn't matter if it was somebody on the job. It doesn't matter if it's a family member. It could have been, it could have been even a pastor or somebody who said something. We begin to justify it. We begin to, to uh, uh, rationalize it and make, it, make excuses for it. And you don't understand. You don't really know. They deserve what they get coming to them. I'm going to make them pay if you knew what they'd done to me. And I realize there have been some serious wrongs that have been done. But if you well, Pastor, if you knew what had been done to me, then you wouldn't, you wouldn't, you'd understand why I feel this way. I'm never going to forgive those people, never, ever. Listen, you cannot have both vengeance and forgiveness at the same time. You cannot have both of those at the same time. You cannot hold on to bitterness and have peace at the same time. So many people, I've met people, they, they just carry this, this heaviness in their life. You know what they're, where they're at? They're, they're stuck. They can't, they can't grow as a Christian. They can't move forward in their walk with God. They, it's like they, they've been stuck in quicksand and, they, and, and they're, they're so bogged down, they can't even hardly take another step. Because there's, they're holding on to this bitterness. They think, they think, oh, nobody can see it. Nobody knows what's gone. But uh, listen, people can see it. And it comes out at times. And you watch as others are growing and maturing. And they're, they're developing in their faith. And they're seeing God work in their lives. Listen, our prayers are hindered when there's unforgiveness in our hearts. Our prayers go unanswered. One of, this is one of the, the, the secrets of unanswered prayer is, is holding on to unforgiveness in our lives. Wondering why are we not seeing the, the victories that we need to see? Why aren't we seeing answered prayers? Listen, God wants to deliver us from that spirit of unforgiveness. He wants to deliver us from those things that are holding on to us, those, those chains that we've been dragging and we're just carrying them. And maybe you come from a, a maybe you landed at Victory World Outreach because you are in another ministry somewhere. Let me tell you, there are no perfect churches. There are no perfect churches. No perf- there are no perfect pastors. And listen, every marriage has its own difficulties and, and struggles. Doesn't matter how good they look and, and how, how it seems like everything is packaged just right. They all have their share of problems and things that need to be worked through. Those that have made it, those that have, have gone 30 years, 40 years, 50 years, they've learned to, to forgive. They've learned to say, I'm sorry. They've learned to, 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 to work through those things. If you want to have a healthy relationship, and I don't, believe, I don't believe it's God's will for us to jump from relationship to relationship or church to church. I don't believe that. I believe that God, He plants us somewhere. He puts us in a place so that we can put down roots and we can begin to grow. And out of that growth, we can become fruitful in our own lives. And it takes an awful lot of I'm sorry's and I love you's and I forgive you's. We have in our marriage, I don't know, we, we were talking about it today. We, we've been married now 33 years and we don't even know where we came up with this but from the from the very beginning we had this way of working through our disagreements and our fights we've had our share 
I've, I've hit a few walls in my time. I'm just going to be honest with you. Has anybody else hit a wall when you got mad? Anybody else broken something besides me? I've gotten better at it. I decided I don't want to pay for that. I don't want to pay for I have to. I think first. I don't want to have to buy a new TV. I think through those things. I've contr- I control myself. But we learned something early on. It's better to say I'm sorry. And not just to say I'm sorry. I don't like things when they hang over, over days and days and days. I mean, some people, they have no problem with it. They're going to give the silent treatment in three weeks. They won't talk to each other. He's hugging his side of the bed. She's hugging her side of the bed. And, they get, and it just goes from day to day. That, I didn't want to live like that. And we have a thing in our marriage that when one or the other, and we've, we each, we have, we do this often because we still have disagreements. And I'm usually right. But I say sorry anyways. And I say it, if one or the other says sorry, then, it, it, listen, everybody gets mad and everybody needs a minute to cool down, right? But when it comes time for forgiveness, when we say I forgive you, that means it's a done deal. We, when we, and we don't let things hang out. I don't want it to hang overnight. We'll, we'll just stay up all night, I guess, if we have to. Because we're going to work it out. But we say, I forgive you. And when we say, I forgive you, that means you're giving up the right to be upset about that thing and carry it and bring it up again. Listen, we, I, you might have a good memory, but you need to let the, the blood of Jesus touch your memory. Because you can't bring up old arguments in every conversation and say, well, you did this and that. No, when it's, when it's forgiven, it's done. Aren't you glad that Jesus, when he, when, when he went to the cross, he didn't just cover our sins? Did you know that? He didn't just cover your sins. It would be like taking a, a drawing on that wall with something red and then going and trying and painting it. You, you know what happens, right? The, the red comes through. It will typically bleed through. God, didn't, Jesus didn't just cover our sins. He removes our sins. He forgives you of your sins. That's what real forgiveness is. And we give up the right to hold on to that thing and to be bitter about that thing. Back to my message. Amen. Matthew chapter 18. Look at it with me. Verse 21. This is the parable of the unmerciful servant. I'm reading out of the NIV. It says, Then Peter came to Jesus and asked, Lord, how many times should I forgive my brother or my sister who sins against me? Up to seven times? He's, Peter's being generous, you know, like two would be good, but seven, I'm being generous. And Jesus answered, he said, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And as he began the settlement, a man who owed him 10,000 bags of gold was brought to him. Since he was not able to pay, the master ordered that he and his wife and his children and all that he had be sold to repay the debt. At this, the servant fell on his knees before him. Be patient with me, he begged. I will pay back everything. The servant's master took pity on him, canceled the debt, and let him go. But when that servant went out, he found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred silver coins and grabbed him and began to choke him. Pay back what you owe me, he demanded. 
His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, Be patient with me, I'll pay you back. But he refused. Instead, he went off and had the man thrown into prison until he could pay the debt. And when the other servants saw what had happened, they were outraged and went and told their master everything that had happened. Then the master called the servant in. You wicked servant, he said, I canceled all of that debt of yours because you begged me to. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? In anger, his master handed him over to the jailers to be tortured until he should pay back all that he owed. This is how my heavenly father will treat each of you unless you forgive your brother or sister from your heart. Pretty intense, huh? In other translations, it's 70 times 7. You know, the story begins in verse 21 with Peter. You know, he comes to Jesus with the question that we've all asked a time or two before. How many times should I really forgive somebody? How much mercy should I really show people? Somebody done him wrong? You know, when somebody does something wrong and then they say sorry, and you forgive, and then they go and do it again. So the people have their limits, right? They go, they go do it again. They come back and say sorry. They go do it again. They come back and say sorry, and he forgives him. And, you know, this time he, he gets mad. How many times, Lord, should I really forgive somebody when they, when they do something wrong? He wanted to know how much he had to take before he had to turn the other cheek. And everybody's felt that way before. You know, we think, well, if they do it one more time, you know, I'm done. My, my patience has its limits. But you know what Jesus says? He, listen, how many times have you blown it? How many mistakes have you made? How many times have we come back? To, we've, we've gone out and we've turned our back on the Lord. Then we come back and we hit an altar again. How many times do people go out and they... they, they, they do something that they regret and they, they're feeling the shame or the guilt of that thing. Listen, the, the devil's not going to let you go easy. He's holding on as, as tight as he can. But he, he, we come back again and again. Don't you want the forgiveness that comes with repentance? In, in truth, Peter's, his heart was pure, but his attitude was wrong. You know what he wanted? A limit on forgiveness. He wanted to put Jesus to put a legal limit on forgiveness. There's, a certain, there's just a certain amount that you can do. And, and finally, we can say, you know what? No more Mr. Nice Guy. Th this time, we're going to lay the law down. But that's not how God works with us. That's not how he treats us. Jesus tells him, I tell you not seven times, but 70 times seven. You know what that is? 490 times. He's saying, you know what, Peter? You've got it all wrong. You're, you're trying to keep track of offenses. You're holding, you've got a, you've got a number, you're, you're, you're trying to count these things. He says forgiveness is unlimited. It's unlimited. There is no limit to the, the mercies of God. We want to count it. There was a man by the name, name of Donald Tippett. This man was one day... Uh, in a YMCA on the Lower East Side of New York City. These two teenagers came in. They had a long history of crime and delinquency. They 
robbed this YMCA. They saw this young man sitting at the switchboard, and they were afraid. They assumed that he must be calling the police, and so they seized him, beat him savagely with brass knuckles and a blackjack, thinking, finally thinking he was dead. They hid him behind a radiator and escaped. Later that evening, a woman came in to swim and was walking by the pool. She slipped in the blood and screamed and found him there. One eye had been so badly damaged that it could not be saved. Meanwhile, these two teenagers were caught, brought to trial. Their past records assured that they would both get long sentences. However, this man, Donald Tippett, did an amazing thing. He requested that the judge allow the two young men to be paroled to his charge. He wanted to give them another chance. He believed they could change. One of the boys blew his opportunity and committed another crime, was caught and sent to jail. But the other boy, however, was responsive to this forgiveness. He went to college and eventually to medical school and became one of the nation's leading surgeons, an eye surgeon. A reporter writing about Donald Tippett's amazing story of forgiveness said of the surgeon's accomplishments, I wonder if he ever performs even one of those delicate eye operations without thinking of that night in the YMCA and the young man whose confidence and forgiveness changed his life. Let me tell you something. Forgiveness is a, is a great virtue. It's a necessity in our lives. The Bible says in Proverbs 19.11, a person's wisdom yields patience. And it is to one's glory to overlook an offense. In the, in the New King James, if you have one, it probably says it is the glory of a man to pass over a transgression. There's something, there, there's a glory that comes with that. It is the glory of a man. It's, it is, what he's saying there is it, is it is one of the highest human virtues that a person can have. Anybody can, can, can hold a grudge. Anybody can hold back forgiveness. Anybody can, can, can withhold love and, and, and be resistant to that thing and be hard. Let me tell you something. It, it only gets worse. I've met some bitter people. I've met some people that have been wronged, and instead of releasing that thing, it's the, it's the pill that they swallow while they, while they wait for the other person to die. They've got this bitterness. They, they're holding on to it. They just, they just become so hardened by it. That's not what God calls for us. He asks of us. He asks us to release it. He wants to, he wants to do a miracle in our lives. He, wanted, he wants to take this heart of stone and this, this heart that has become hardened. And listen, we might think, well, I'm justified in my actions. I've been hurt deeply. You don't know how my father treated me or my mother treated me. Listen, I've sat and counseled with people and I've heard some of the most horrific stories of abuse, things that people have had to endure and dealt with, and the, and, the, and the shame and the pain that they've carried. How does a person, how does a person get past that? It's only by the mercy of God and the grace of God. He has to work a miracle in a person's heart, and we have to surrender that thing into his hands. God, I, I surrender this. I, I, yes, I've been wronged. Yes, I've been hurt. Yes, I feel like I deserve to, to be upset and angry and to hold this thing. But God, I can't carry this anymore. I need to pass it off to you and give it to you. It's the glory of a person. 
says in Ephesians 4 and 32, Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let me tell you what, un unforgiveness gives Satan a foothold in your life. It gives him a foothold. Place where he can he can come back and he can he can work in your life and listen. Based on our forgiveness from God, we ought to forgive other people. In Colossians three and thirteen, it says, "Bear with each other and forgive one another." If any of you has a grievance against somebody, forgive, as the Lord forgave you. It was C.S. Lewis who said, "Everyone." says forgiveness is a lovely idea until they have something to forgive. Let me tell you something. Bitterness has a root. It has a root. And it has to be dealt with. It has to be dug up. Listen, if, if, we, if we want to see our lives flourish and our church grow and our relationships strengthened, there ought to be no division in, in our relationships, no, no root of bitterness. How do we deal with that? We have to address it within our own hearts. We have to constantly examine our own selves and, and, and be careful that we don't allow that root of bitterness to find a foothold and find a place in our lives. That we don't look at people critically. That we don't begin to think something. That we, that we are right before God and pure before God. Why, why is forgiveness so difficult? Because we don't understand it correctly. We don't understand what it is. We don't, we, it doesn't mean that we approve of what somebody did. When you forgive somebody, it doesn't mean that you're, that you're dismissing the fact that they did something. You're saying, God, I'm putting this person in your hands. And let me tell you, God knows how to deal with them better than you ever could. He knows how to touch them. He, he knows how to get them into a place where they, they need to surrender and cry out to God better than you ever can doesn't mean we pretend that it never took place it doesn't mean making excuses for bad behavior it doesn't mean justifying evil so it becomes less sinful and it does not mean overlooking abuse every time i preach on forgiveness and i i preach on this and you know without a doubt there's somebody that's sitting in the in the congregation they're dealing with an abusive husband or they're in an abusive relationship and listen it does not mean that you're a doormat to be walked on and you're to stay in this abusive relationship. Let me tell you, God, will, God knows how to get somebody's attention. God knows how to deal with us. And if we're not careful, we'll be on the receiving side of the wrath of God. I don't want to be there. I want to be, I want to be a real Christian. I want to be a real Christian. I want to be somebody that in whom there, the Bible says there is no guile. There is no, there is no uh, ugliness. doesn't mean letting others walk on you. It doesn't mean you don't press charges when a crime has been committed. Or it doesn't even mean forgetting that the wrong was done. Now, listen, we, we're not going to repeat those things. But it does, mean, it does mean we release the right to be upset about it, to hold on to it. It's a matter of the heart. It's one of the least known secrets of answered prayer. You know, Jesus is telling this story. Here's a guy that, that he owes a lot of money. He's forgiven this huge debt. 
I mean, he is really, he ought to really be thankful. And here somebody comes and, and they owe him something small. Man, he's going to bring the hammer down on them. He's going to make them pay. Here he's been, he's been forgiven this incredible amount of money. What a, what a shame. It says that it's almost identical to this next thing that happens. His fellow servant fell to his knees and begged him, please be patient with me. I'll pay it back. You know, these words that, he's, that Jesus is writing here, this is for believers. Here you've, been, you've had this, this great load of sin lifted off of your life. Jesus has dealt mercifully with you. He's forgiven you of your sins. And now somebody does something, and yeah, they shouldn't have done it. But what do we do? Are we going to hold, hold their feet to the fire and make them pay for their actions? Or are we going to say, you know what, God, you've been merciful to me. I'm going to be merciful to somebody else. Mercy is a wonderful thing. He says, basically, this is how my heavenly Father will treat each of you unless you forgive. Matthew chapter 6 and 14, he says, if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. You know, there's several things that you can see out of this story. Number one, the greatness of God's forgiveness. God, God is, his, his mercy is so great for our lives. We're guilty. Every single person in this place has made their fair share of mistakes. I don't think any person here would want all of their sins put up here on these screens. You wouldn't want that. You, you, you would, if, like Pastor said in a service in our church not too long ago, if, if all of our sins, if your sins were put up on this screen, you'd crawl out of here. You'd, you'd run out of here before we even got to the second one. Nobody wants that. We've been, we've been forgiven a, a great debt. And if you come into this place and you don't know the Lord, you listen, we carry this burden of guilt and sin that one day we're going to stand in the presence of God. One day we're going to have to give an account for our lives, and I don't want to stand before him guilty of my sin. I want to stand before him forgiven because of what Jesus did at the cross. I want my, my sins to have been already paid for and dealt with. Listen, I know they've been paid for, but what about receiving that gift of salvation and making a decision for the Lord tonight and saying, God, I need that same forgiveness, that forgiveness that you're talking about. I want that in my own life. I want that for myself. So we see the greatness of God's forgiveness. We see the, the, the enormity and, the, and the, the, the shame of our own sins. We see the simplicity of forgiveness. I know it sounds simple, and it can be, it can be very difficult for some people to, to acknowledge, you know what, Jesus, you've, you've paid so much of a price for me. I'm going to forgive this person. What if they, what if they, you say, you know what, I'm the right one in this problem. They're the ones that should be, they, they should come and apologize. When they apologize, then I'll forgive them. You may never get an apology. In fact, you probably won't get an apology. So what are we going to do? We're going to have to say, Lord, I, I forgive them regardless of what they do. They're going to have to, they're going to have to answer before you. Whether they, whether they apologize or they don't apologize. 
Because what we want is an I'm sorry. We want, we, you know, when I've, had, I've heard that before from Emily. I'm just going to tell on her. If I say sorry, she says, what are you sorry for? And, and I know, some of you women, I know, I know what you're thinking. You've said those things before, too. What if you don't get an I'm sorry? You release that, that thing anyways. And there's a danger. I see there's a danger of an unforgiving spirit. We're like that unforgiving servant. And we've never learned the secret of unlimited forgiveness. Unlimited forgiveness. I thank God that he, he, he forgives me. I repent a lot. Anybody else repent often? I didn't just repent one time when I was 16 years old. No, I repent daily. I ask God, search my heart daily. And I come to him again and again. Lord, I need your forgiveness. Lord, I need your mercy. I, I know that I need his mercy again and again. He's a, he's a forgiving God, and, and he, it's an unlimited forgiveness. And the forgiveness is God's way of letting go of the past and moving forward. Listen, if you've been hurt in life, nothing will be harder than, than letting go. But I want you to know you can let go. You can release that. Whatever hurts are there, whatever burdens are there, you can release that. Give it to the Lord. Give it to him. Say, God, I surrender this thing. I surrender these hurts. I surrender these pains. I don't want to carry these things any longer. I found a story of Corey Ten Boom. She's probably one of the best when it comes to forgiveness. She has story after story. She was... If you remember, she was a lady that her father was hiding Jews in World War II, and they went into a concentration camp, she and her sister. Her father died right away, and her sister didn't last too much longer, but she was in this prison camp, this concentration camp called Ravensbrück. And she was there, she was abused and mistreated by guards and, and, and shamed, I mean, stripped naked and embarrassed and just had to endure the hardship of being in a, in a concentration camp. Even, even recognized guards that had abused her after the fact, after, years later after the fact. And she says of, of some of her Christian friends who had wronged her in a public and malicious way, she said for many days she was bitter and angry until she forgave them. But in the night, she would wake up thinking about what they'd done and get angry all over again. It seemed the memory would not go away. Help came in the form of a Lutheran pastor to who she confessed her frustration after two sleepless weeks. He told her, Corey, up in the church tower is a bell which is rung by pulling on a rope. And when the sexton pulls the rope, the bell peels out ding-dong, ding-dong. But what happens if he doesn't pull the rope again? Slowly, the sound fades away. Forgiveness is like that. When we forgive someone, we take our hand off of the rope. But if we've been tugging at our grievances for a long time, we shouldn't be surprised if the old angry thoughts keep coming back for a while. They are just the ding-dong of a bell that is slowing down. So it's not surprising if after forgiveness for a while, the memories keep coming back. If you refuse to dwell on them slowly, they will fade away. Why? When you forgive, you let go of the rope 
and the force is gone out of the anger. You know, this statement that Jesus made at the cross is probably one of the most profound statements that he made. Think about this. Here he is. He's been, he's been shamed and abused and beaten. He's been hung naked. They've spit on him. He's, he's, he's hanging between two thieves on this cross. And this is probably, this is no doubt the, the most pure form of forgiveness. In Luke chapter 23, in verse 34, here he is. He doesn't, he's never sinned. He's never hurt anybody. He, doesn't, he, he, he didn't do any of the things that they said he did. All he, all he has has been good to people. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. They know not what they do. He was being tortured. That ought to wipe away every excuse that we have for holding a grudge and being bitter and having, having such a, a unforgiveness in our hearts. If anybody deserved by our standards, to be bitter and unforgiving, it would have been Jesus. He didn't do anything. But here he carried the sins of the world, and he, 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 he is willing to forgive them. They're saying, if you're the king, come down off of that cross. Save yourself. He stayed on that cross for you and for me. Those nails didn't hold him there. His love as it's been said many times, his love for you and his love for me held him there. He said, no man takes my life, I lay it down. I lay it down. And I can tell you there's a, there is a healing that comes in our lives. You say, well, Pastor, I don't have any unforgiveness. I haven't been hurt. I haven't been wrong. Listen, life's ahead of you. If Jesus doesn't come back, we're all going to be offended at some time. And we're all going to have to deal with hurts. And if we can't learn this lesson... If we don't learn and begin and, and hear the, the words of this preacher and the word of God, that, that there is a forgiveness that is available to us and there's a forgiveness that we, we have to offer to others, we're going to miss heaven. If you don't learn this, you're going to miss heaven. You won't make heaven your home. You can say, well, I, was, I went to church. I did all of these different things. If, if you don't forgive others, how is your Father in heaven going to forgive you? That's what he says. I mean, that's not my words. That's, the, that's his words. Mark Twain said it this way, Forgiveness is the fragrance the violet gives to the heel that has crushed it. You know, it's wonderful. It's a wonderful thing. Forgiveness is a wonderful thing because the forgiver always gets the last word. The forgiver always gets the last word. There's, there's some marriages here. You're... You're in a tough place because one or the other is holding on to a grudge. You want a revival in your marriage? Listen, I don't think it's just, I don't think we should just have conflict all the way until we die and go to heaven. I think we ought to have a little bit of heaven on earth, don't you? I think there ought to be some peace in our homes, in our families. I believe that's the will of God. It's the will of God that we have a revival in our homes. We have a revival on our jobs, in our place of work, that there's a peace that we just we go to work happy. We go home happy. Some people, they don't even want to go home. It's just, it's nothing but conflict. It's a, it's a fight. No matter, you're, just, you're just waiting for it. You're wondering, how's he going to walk in the door? Is he going to be happy or what? what how's it going to be? What's gonna, what are we going to do tonight? 
It's like there's just one fight after another. That's not what God intended for marriages. It's not what God intended for churches. And if, if we're going to have a revival, it's got to begin in us. It's got to begin with this, this thought and this heart of forgiveness and forgiving others and then being forgiven ourselves. And some people need to forgive themselves. Some people are holding, they, they, they're, they're carrying things in their own lives because of their past failures. Why would, God, why would God forgive me? Why would God show me any mercy? I've, I've done this. I had an abortion. I've, I've, done th- I've had these problems, and I've, and I've done all of these different things. I've had people in our church, they come to the altar again and again for the same things. You don't have to come again and again. If he's forgiven you, it's under the blood. He sets you free. But many times we look in the mirror and we can't forgive ourselves. It's, you, know who, you know who brings those things back up? The devil does. He brings those things back up. You don't have any right. You don't, deserve to, you don't deserve to lift your hands in church. You don't deserve to be happy. You don't deserve to have a, have a good marriage. You don't deserve to, to grow and to, and to move forward in life. Listen, Jesus set you free, and, he, and, and those things are under the blood. And the Bible says, whom the Son sets free is free indeed. And if you don't know what that is like, tonight you can know what that is. It's not something that I can do. I can't forgive you. No priest, no person can do that for you. Jesus does that for you. And he paid the price. He said, Father, forgive them. He was talking about us. You know who put him there? We did. Our sins put him there. And tonight he's offering us forgiveness. and He's offering us peace. I want us to just bow our heads in prayer all across this place. Tonight, we're going we're gonna to kick this revival off in these altars. We're going to find a place to pray. We're going to really be serious. I, I, listen, I, I'm not a mind reader. I just know the Holy Ghost deals with our hearts. He, he speaks to people's lives. And in any congregation, there's without a doubt, there are people that are facing the very thing that I'm talking and ministering tonight. There are hidden hurts. There are things that we've been carrying, and there's burdens that, that, are, that we've been shouldering. That's not for us to carry. He wants to set you free tonight. He wants to lift that burden from your heart. While our heads are bowed and Christians are praying all across this place, I see some faces and people that I knew that I know, and you, I've known you for years, and I've seen you, and there's, and then I see some new people, and I don't know where I don't know where anyone is. Maybe you've been here for a while, and the devil's just been assaulting your mind, and you've built a case, and you, there's something that you may, maybe you've been thinking about leaving. I want to I want to encourage you: don't make that decision. Don't do that. This is your home. This is where God has put you. Maybe you're, maybe you're in, the, in, in your marriage, and I'm not talking about the kind of a, a situation where there's abuse and, and, and these types of things, but maybe there's just conflict, and it's like I don't, you're, you're wrestling with some things in your marriage. Maybe you're in church, and he's not, or vice versa. It doesn't matter. God knows how to bring healing and hope into a situation. But you'll never move forward as long as you're holding on to unforgiveness in your life. As long as you're harboring these these thoughts, God wants to set you free. Jesus paid the price so that you could be set free. While our heads are bowed and 
Christians are praying. I want to ask how many in this place. You say, Pastor, I don't know what it is to be forgiven. I don't know what it is to be set free and to have real peace in my heart. My life is a mess. Tonight, I need, I need Jesus to just to be put my life back in order. I need Jesus to give me peace in my mind and I need forgiveness. Pray for me. How many across this place would lift up your hands? You just raise up your hand and you say, I need salvation. I need Jesus to forgive me. I need to come back to the Lord. Maybe you were right with God at one time, but tonight you're away from the Lord. You lost your way. You say, I need to come back to Jesus. How many would lift up your hand? Raise it up high and put it back down. I want to pray for you. Jesus is going to touch you tonight. Maybe your relationship with God has stalled. Listen, if you're, if you're lukewarm, the Bible says He'll spit you out. Maybe, you're, maybe your relationship is stalled. And you say, you know, I feel like I'm just not moving. I'm not going forward. Is it possible that there are areas in your life where you need to surrender? There, there's, some, there's some hidden sin, something that you've been holding on to, or maybe there's an unforgiveness in your heart and you've been, you've been harboring some things and you, you're just it, it's holding you back. Tonight, the Holy Spirit wants to work in your life. He wants to give you, give you peace. He wants, to, he wants to help you take that next step. You need a revival in your own heart. I want us to stand all over this place. Tonight, we're going to open up these altars. I'm going to invite you. I want to, I want to invite you to come and find a place to pray. Maybe there's some things. Maybe there's some hurts that you've been carrying. Things that have been, it could, it could be 20 years old. Could, could be could be 20 years ago, 30 years ago. Could be something that you're holding against your spouse. Why don't we just find a place? Let's just be, let's just be, begin to talk with God. Maybe kneel down in these altars or stand, however you like to do it. But let's let's spend some time this evening and and deal with the, those areas. Release those things to the Lord. Thanks again for listening. If you want to hear more messages, please subscribe to our podcast channel. And if you like it, consider rating it and sharing it with your friends. For more content from VWO Denton. Go to our website at vwotexas.com.